You're listening to The Mix on Sif Mix, hosted by Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonia. Welcome back. We are in the mix again. I'm Liz Benjamin, as you know, and Joe Bonilla is not with me right now, but still stay with us because it's important. It's an important conversation we're about to have. I don't know about you, but food has taken on an entirely new meaning since the pandemic started. First, at the beginning, it was like, get as much food as you possibly can because we're all going to be locked in our houses and we're not going to be able to go out and we have to stockpile, which of course was not responsible. And hopefully people didn't do too much of it. But then subsequently it was, I'm home and what am I going to do? I'm going to teach myself to bake or I'm going to bake these elaborate meals or I'm going to do, people all got into sourdough and I have to confess that I did that. And then I killed some starter and threw it away. And then I did some no need dough and that was cool. And then I moved on to other things, but food insecurity has also become a big issue as a result of the pandemic. We have so many people who are out of work we are, have so many people who are sort of teetering on the edge and they really need assistance. And that's where a lot of organizations that are working in the capital region come in, including some of our urban gardens. And so this is a sort of a two for one double whammy episode in which we talk to two individuals who are working really hard to address food insecurity and make fresh produce available in inner city communities. Haley Vaccaro of the Schenectady Green Market is going to be with us and also Amy Klein of Capital Roots. These ladies are doing amazing work. These organizations are really, have been there for people and they need your help, they need your support. It's a socially distanced world that we are living in and yet we all have to eat which is a great equalizer. We come into the world and we go out of the world and we have to eat while we're here. And pretty much that's all that we do that is the same, except maybe pay taxes, but not all of us do that. So I'm really thrilled to be able to bring you this episode. I think it's important and I hope you enjoy it. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com. We are back in the mix and I am very excited to have this conversation. It is about something that I feel really strongly about. It's farmers markets, which are very important in the fabric of urban communities in particular, where there are not a lot of fresh food options, but also we're welcoming someone who is one of the most super busy humans (laughs) I know. Haley Vaccaro is with us, and she has been kind enough to carve out some time. You wear so many hats, Haley. I don't even know. I mean, thanks for, for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Liz. Happy to carve out some time, of course. So some people might know Haley. Uh, she's the director of communications for the lieutenant governor. We're not going to speak to her about that particular issue today. Um, but that is, if you know the lieutenant governor, that's like a full-time job and a half because the woman's on fire all the time. So, and also Haley, you have a lot of community involvement um, and and particularly in the Schenectady area. And why is it that you feel strongly enough to do that? I mean, you have not a lot, nobody has a lot of, you know, free time these days, but you feel that you've made a a point really of giving back. Yes, well, I guess the lieutenant governor has rubbed off on me more than I think sometimes, but uh, like to keep busy, of course. But before my position with the lieutenant governor, as some people know, I uh, was a reporter for the Daily Gazette in Schenectady and covering the city and the community and all the things that were happening at the time, 
uh, was really interesting to me to see the growth in this city over the years and really took um, a strong attachment to it and ended up moving here after I left the Gazette, but when I started with the Lieutenant Governor. So happy to live in Schenectady and be involved and help with all the things that are going on here because it is really exciting. So if you haven't been to Schenectady lately, you really should take a little trip and go there. Um, it has a very vibrant downtown. It also has uh, a lot of the same challenges that many urban centers face. It has poverty, it has disinvestment, it has um, disproportionate racial inequity, there's violence, unfortunately. But there's also a, a really can-do spirit there. And I think that comes through in the green market. The green market is not, and if you visit their website, you, which is an amazing website, by the way, you should totally take, take a look. The green market is more of like, I think that you make a point of it being a festival atmosphere, Haley. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, well, pre-COVID, the green market uh, is outside City Hall over the summer, spring, and inside Proctor's mostly during the winter months. And typically the market will have community tables, kids tables, we have organizations table, uh, the city council, and it would have music. Now with um, COVID, all of that has obviously changed and we're mostly of course promoting the market as a place to get fresh local food and to help support our farmers during this difficult time to have an outlet to sell their products. So our market has really shifted and we've made a lot of transitions to uh, accommodate all these difficult times, but um, we're happy to still be here and operating um, and providing a really critical service, as you said, that is needed in Schenectady with no grocery store downtown um, and not a lot of options for people. And some people now may be uncomfortable to go into a, a supermarket. Right, I mean, and we we call these uh, areas for folks who are not really familiar with food insecurity. These areas are called food deserts. And it's something that when I was a reporter, both Haley and I are reformed, rescued reporters, I guess one could say. So we have that in common as well. But this is something that I spoke about quite a bit and covered a lot. It's very concerning. I think people don't think that much about hunger and food insecurity, but it certainly is a problem that has been exacerbated by the pandemic. And it is really a greater discussion because what you have available to you when you live in a food desert is frequently something, and it's great that there are options that small stores provide and they try and fill the niche, but the reality is that you can't get a lot of fresh food that keeps you healthy and that creates a spiral in which people have um, you know, health challenges and then subsequently they're more, sub, uh, they're more susceptible to diseases like COVID. So we just have, or viruses rather and diseases. So we just have a really important discussion and uh, something that the green market and, and other urban farmers markets like it um, are so important and in addressing. But what is different about it? I mean, last time I was there, Haley, it, it didn't seem like it was a problem social distancing. It's not like you have a difficult, you don't, you don't have a space challenge. Right, so that is actually the biggest change. Um, when we were working with the city to first open, we, you know, of course felt that we needed more space because we're spacing our vendors out 
six to 10 feet, um, making sure that people are socially distant, not overcrowding the outside space. So we expanded over to the other side of City Hall. So we have much more street than we used to. And we also were asked by the J Street Farmers Market, which always operated separately from us before. Um, they asked us to actually take over their market. So we are also on J Street. So this, huh. yeah, so this provided us an opportunity to really grow and further help the downtown and the businesses downtown, which have since reopened, but have told us that they're getting more people and more, um, more people downtown and walking and coming into their businesses because we are open and in a bigger space. So what, I mean, are you, do you have, well, I was going to ask if you have the same number of vendors, but apparently you have more vendors now that you are blended market, but from the original green market, did you lose people? Some vendors, unfortunately, were unable to come back because the hit from COVID was just too much for them um, to be able, able to operate at the market and not having enough staff. So we did lose some vendors, but we also gained some new vendors. Um, we're at about 60 to 65 vendors now, and not all of them come every Sunday, but um, a lot of them do. So that's our, our typical number each week. And um, we also have a lot of new customers, actually. Um, we used to be used to seeing a lot of the same faces. Um, now we're seeing a lot of the same faces, but they're new faces, and they're continuing to come back um, because they feel so secure knowing where this food is coming from and talking to the actual farmer who's handling it. And they just feel like it's safer overall, which is really great to hear and see. And another thing I wanted to point out too, um, where you were talking about food deserts is our SNAP and EBT customers have increased as well during COVID. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, there is also, um, when you talk about SNAP and EBT, which is some people know as sort of or the euphemism would be food stamp or benefits, right? People who are getting some government assistance to help them close the gap in terms of food insecurity and to afford to feed themselves and their families. There's a stigma attached to that. You know, people are embarrassed, some people. They And also we have more people than ever before who are experiencing hunger as a result of the economic downturn because of the pandemic. Now, the way that you guys handle it, I think it's, it, it's with tokens, right? Is that how it works? Yes, correct. So people can come to the market and pay cash, of course, but not all vendors take credit cards. So we have a market table where we can process their credit card and give them tokens. Um, customers who have SNAP benefits have to use our token system and they the tokens look different. So the vendors can distinguish um, if they do get those benefits from the state. Mm -hmm. And this is a way that, I mean, there's no judgment at the green market really. And, you know, everybody's there for the same sort of overarching reason, which is they want to get fresh local food. They want to feel secure in what they're purchasing, but they also, you can have, and, and again, we don't want to, we're not, we are certainly not denigrating the traditional food purchase experience that you have when you go to a store, but it's completely different when you can face the individual who grew the food, who is familiar with the food, and you can ask questions and you can smell the food. And I mean, you still, is that still maintained despite, you know, the public health protocols that you have to, uh, that you have to adhere to? 
Well, we don't have sampling of food anymore. Um, we did pre-COVID and the customers also cannot handle the food themselves. So we don't want them reaching over and you know, grabbing a fruit or vegetable from the vendor. Um, the vendor will bag it for them. So it's a little, little harder to, you know, you can't feel things, you can't smell things as well, especially because you have a mask on also. But that doesn't seem to be a, a big problem among people that we've heard. And do you expect that you're gonna be able to hold this inside? I mean, inside is the big challenge, right? We're having all of these conversations about What's going to happen in the fall? Is there going to be a second wave? People need to get the flu shot. We're, you know, how are we going to, are we going to all have to hunker down again? But everybody's going to need to eat. Right. So I'm glad that you asked that because we, as you know, Proctor's has been closed since the pandemic um, by the state. And we have had multiple conversations with Proctor's about being able to use their space for the market. And we did recently come to an agreement for that. Um, so as long as Proctor's just opens their space for us and they're not having any entertainment, that that would be fine to do. So we're excited about that. Um, you know, we're happy to have a winter option um, because we weren't sure for a while. And right. of course, all of the um, health and safety protocols will still stand and be probably even more strict once we go indoors. But Proctor's is such a big enough space to space out and allow for all those COVID protocols. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to it and we're happy to have a year-round market still. Have you had conversations with folks about like, I mean, have people expressed to you the feeling? You said something about this earlier that you know, people felt safer. And I should also note, you've got, you've been involved. This, this green bark has been around since 2008, which I did not know when I was sort of doing the background on this. Does that make you like one of the older ones in the area? Um, I believe so. I honestly don't know how long like Troy has been operating. I know there's Delmar and Saratoga. There's quite a few farmer's markets and even Niskayuna close by has a market. Um, but yes, we, we are, we have been operating for a while and we have been established here. And you now have a new leadership role. Yes. So I was recently voted as chair of the board of the market, which is very exciting. Um, and our board has been really, really tremendous, um, working round the clock, um, especially with COVID and figuring out our options for winter. It's really, um, it's great to see that dedication and, and passion among our board. So I'm, I'm really happy um, that they chose me to be in this new role. So then back to the, the question that I, I sort of was originally casting there and then veered off into another direction. Have people spoken to you? Like you, you are there. I mean, when this is where I see you. When I, when I go to the market, I, this is where I see you. So I know that you are on the ground having conversations with people who come to the market. And are they expressing to you these feelings of being relieved that they can be outside, which we now know, uh, you know, there's a lot of research that indicates that it's a, a heck of a lot safer, that closed spaces are not pro for prolonged periods of time. Are people telling you that? Yes, yes. Both customers and vendors have been really happy with us being outside and we're actually going to stay outside longer than we usually do. Um, so we'll be outside through Thanksgiving 
just because we recognize that it is safer. People have felt comfortable. This is what we have been doing through COVID. Um, but in the really dead of winter months, it's, um, it's really difficult to be outside. Um, so we did actually, um, after talking with people on the ground, we have um, asked our customers and vendors to uh, participate in surveys because we wanted to hear from them about what they would like us to do for winter. And mm. that, that really went into our decision-making as well to go inside Proctors because I was surprised a majority of customers and vendors thought that during the winter, it would still be more beneficial to be inside, um, even if they felt a little more comfortable outside. Um, so we wanted to gather that from them before making a decision. Well, but also, I mean, if people are familiar with the space in Proctors, it's a pretty big space. I mean, you've got quite a bit of space. You've got ingress and egress at both ends of that hall, if I'm thinking of it correctly. So it's not, I mean, some of this has to do with ventilation, right? And how much air movement you have, but also how much time people spend. And, and, and unfortunately, it's not going to be, it's going to be a shopping experience where you can get food. It's not going to be a gathering experience, probably, I would imagine. Right. No, we are, we are not a gathering place. And even now, people in the market, we encourage them to shop and shop quickly, but not stay there and hang out with your friends. Um, it's not a social setting. It's, it's a place to get food. But I'm glad that you brought up about ventilation. So I'm going to put my estate hat on a little bit. And Proctor's actually has a, a Merv 13 HVAC system. Um, so <laughs> It was never something that anybody thought that they would know anything about. And now we all know way too much about it. Yes, yes, I know. Um, so that makes us feel more confident as well that they already have the infrastructure in place in terms of ventilation um, where it is safer um, inside their space than maybe another space. And, and just to be clear, I mean, there also was, there used to be like quite a bit of prepared food, like you could go and get um, like jerk chicken, for example, and also that really fabulous, amazing, yummy lemonade that comes in like a massive container with all the fresh lemons floating around in it. Is that no longer an option? No, we do still have those vendors. Um, we have a few prepared food vendors and the lemonade stand is there. Um, we also have a couple of craft vendors um, selling mosaics and such. So we accommodated them because we do have the space um, and you know we want them to be able to sell their products as well. Oh, and they will be inside. Before I let you too, go, go ahead, sorry, continue. No, no, um, so they'll be inside Proctors too because like you said, there is a lot of space in there and also they're not having shows. So we don't right. have, the people that are there for shows, they'll just be there for the market. Before I let you go, what's the future of the market? I mean, I imagine that the board's having those conversations and you have to, for, even for such a long established kind of uh, event or, or I don't know what we would call this entity as this, that you need to, be planning pretty much like at least a year and ahead. I would in advance. I would imagine, if not longer. And you know, it's hard because there's so much uncertainty. How are you circumventing that? Right. Well, of course, like you said, there's still so many unknowns. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future with 
COVID in New York and that could change our plans and change things. But we actually see this long-term as a growth opportunity for us. It was really big to be able to expand outside around City Hall. And we're hoping that that continues um, on into the future where we do have more space. Um, maybe next year, next season, we won't have to space out our vendors as much and we could accommodate even more people. Um, so we we see this as, as a way to adapt and to change what we're doing for the better and hopefully continue to grow. Well, I just want to urge people to go because it's good to support local ag, first of all, it's, and artists. And also it's really, it's, it's just a nice vibe. And we don't have that much more time, unfortunately, left in terms of nice weather. So bundle up and head yourself over to Schenectady and experience all that the green market has to offer. I thank you, Haley Zafaro, for your time. Thank you. And it's Sundays from 10 to 2. Please stop by. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com. So we are back in the mix, and I'm thrilled to welcome Amy Klein from Cabell Roots. She's the executive director of this really fantastic organization, and she is here to talk to us about the importance of having fresh, affordable, healthy food in urban environments in particular. I sort of am on a roll, Amy, I have to confess. First of all, thank you for being with us. Thanks for inviting me. Um, our last conversation was with um, Haley Vaccaro and she's now the chair of the Schenectady Green Market. So there must be something in the air where I feel like it's really important that we need to talk about the access to fresh, affordable produce, particularly right now, because when you nourish the body, you not only nourish the soul, but you improve health. And we want people to be as healthy as possible at this moment to help them stave off any viruses. Absolutely. And, you know, from an, uh, a perspective of many urban dwellers, um, so often people who are the, you know, suffering from chronic diseases are, are often those who also don't have easy access to those fresh foods. And really that's what our organization focuses on, helping people who are, you know, who don't have that easy access to have a level playing field and uh, enjoy all the good quality food that we all want to enjoy. Yeah, and uh, this is really like a macro conversation before we sort of get into the nitty gritty of, of the organization and what it's doing and the challenges that it's overcoming at this moment that are facing all of us. But, you know, the people who are facing a disproportionate negative impact of this particular pandemic, but of so many public health problems are those who are exposed to, they live in environmental justice communities, for example, or they live in food deserts, or they just, they start behind the eight ball from a position of public health. And it's and something that I think people are waking up to more and more. If there's a silver lining in the pandemic, which I have said on a couple of occasions that I hate to, to put it that way, but the fact that people have their eyes opened is a good thing. I absolutely think that is um, spot on. You know, when we first started doing work uh, in this arena, I mean, the organization has been around for 45 years and we've been focused on, uh, you know, a variety of issues in, in urban spaces, uh, starting with community gardens, places where people can grow their own food, but we really got into food access work. Uh, it was 
you know, almost 20 years ago now, and when we launched our Veggie Mobile, which was the first mobile market in the country, it was really aimed at dealing with the issue of food deserts. And, and that was before the term food desert was even coined by the USDA. And it was because we saw um, this disproportionate impact and, and we saw it through our community gardens and the fact that you know everyone wanted to eat well and um, that the community gardens were a conduit for that, but it couldn't be the only conduit. And you know, it it took it took almost two decades really for people to catch on. Um, that this was an issue, that you know, supermarkets have left these urban spaces and that you know, we do need as a society, as a community to do something to remedy this situation, not just from an equity standpoint, but from a health standpoint. And, and it is good to see that it is finally uh, raising the awareness overall. Well, and, and supermarkets, and not to, you know, I go to the supermarket, certainly I think most people do, but you know, there are so many other, the food, the produce that you get at a supermarket, and I know that, that there are chains locally that are trying to do more locally sourced food, particularly now when we have supply chain stress as a result of the pandemic, but it's not as seasonal, it's not as healthy necessarily, there's a big climate change footprint when you truck things from one point of the country to the other point of the country, there's water use issues in the western part of the country in particular, there's labor issues and immigration issues. I mean, there's just so many things that are all wrapped up in food. It is like the one thing that we share, we all have to eat. And there's also so many flashpoints involved in food. I mean, you, you do you, have you experienced that in your in your time with Cavill Roots that, it, it, that you wouldn't think that food is controversial, but as it turns out, it might be one of the most controversial things we can discuss. Um, you know, sometimes I think it can be, I think, um, you know, but I think it's, it's such a unifying um, issue, you know, food. I mean, as you said, everyone eats, uh, you know, and it's really a question of what you eat and, uh, you know, how you're able to access that food. I think the, the, the uh, dialogue is really changing, um, which I'm really heartened to see about the facts about who wants to eat what. You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, there was this real narrative out there that, you know, poor people don't want to eat good food. They just want to eat fast food. They just want to eat junk food. And that's never been the case. Um, they want to eat good food just as much as anybody else. It is just unaffordable and inaccessible. Uh, the other, you know, misnomer is that, you know, people who have low resources don't know how to cook good food. Mm -hmm. That is also not true. We don't need to be, you know, educating uh, low-income people how to cook, um, and no more than we need to educate ourselves. Um, it's really that's not the case. And so I think we all have to start with a level playing field and understand that where none of us are any different from that standpoint. What is different is our ability to access and afford the quality food. You, it seems to me like Capital Roots has always been a little bit before its time. I mean, you had, <laughs> not only did you have the Veggie Mobile, which was the, was the first of its kind, as you noted, but also the virtual Veggie Mobile. And now you've got this really ambitious 32,000 square foot expansion that you're looking toward, is that still online in terms of um, accessibility or has the pandemic provided difficult 
moments for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the pandemic obviously has, you know, thrown uh, us some curveballs. All of our food access programs uh, have been up and running the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were more needed than ever, and we really put our shoulder uh, to it to make sure that we could provide all those services, even though we had many fewer resources and uh, no volunteers because of the pandemic. They're coming back now and we're so grateful because we rely a lot on volunteers. Um, but you know, in terms of our expansion, we, we definitely had to put a pause on our, our work on that because we had to focus all of our energy on providing these essential food services, which you know, the, the increased demand for them was exponential. Um, it was in some cases as much as 600% increase. Yeah, I'm looking at that number. So this is, um, so I'm looking at the website and you have, first of all, your website's beautiful. Second of all, you have the April, 2020 COVID-19 impact rundown, 600% increase in sales from April, 2019. Like that's, how is that even possible? Yeah, it's, it was pretty incredible. And I, you know, I think, um, well, really what you can, um, you know, say is that what we created was a space where people could be safe, um, you know, healthy, and continue to gain access to quality, low-cost food. And so we we created a, a safe haven, basically, for folks in the community. And we did that on our Veggie Mobile and our Veggie Mobile Sprout. We did that on our healthy stores. Uh, our online market and here at our urban growth center. And um, it was just like lighting a match. It just sparked. And, um, you know, we took orders on the phone, which we are still doing. And people just realized, um, you know, the benefit of accessing their food this way. And we also expanded our offerings, you know, it wasn't just, and it's, you know, still, we're not just doing uh, fruits and vegetables, but we added local breads and eggs and meat and, you know, all sorts of other delicious things, um, you know, dairy products so that people could get more of the market basket. And this really is a nod to what we're going to be doing with our expansion when we expand our marketplace um, going forward. Are you also involved in the Albany Fridge project? No, that's a, a separate project. A separate project. And yeah, and you know, part of um, you know, it's a it's a um, interesting um, you know that you bring that up because what Capital Roots does is the programs that we provide are are really very unique in the sphere of this region. You know, we uh, we ha we do have one program, our Squash Hunger program, that is focused on uh, giving away produce. It's mm -hmm. it's about rescuing food, um, working with farmers, doing gleanings out in the field collecting that food and distributing it through the emergency feeding programs to really enhance what is available through food pantries and soup kitchens. Um, and, you know, we started that at a time when most food pantries were not giving out fresh produce. So it was, uh, you know, it was something that we were really seeing a need and, and fulfilling that. But all of our other programs are really focused on giving people the tools that they need to be able to access food uh, in a dignified way um, on their own, you know, providing it at a very low cost, but allowing them that choice uh, to come and shop and, and make their own decisions. So we're not saying here, here's what you get, 
kind of mm. thing. It's really about, you know, shopping like everybody else wants to, but it's, it's in a way that makes it so affordable. It's about half the cost of what you could buy it for in the supermarket. Um, and, you know, so it really, you can walk away with a huge bag of produce for $5 and, you know, and then have the dignity of being able to make your own selections. And you have to qualify from an income level? No, not at all. And that's a really important point also. That's true of all of our programs and always has been. And, and the concept there is we locate all of our programs in low-income communities. Our gardens are in low-income communities. The veggie mobile stops in low-income neighborhoods at, at you know, housing um, authority projects, at senior low-income senior centers. But, uh, and you know, our urban growth center is in North Central Troy. Um, but, you know, the concept really is if anybody wants to come into these neighborhoods and utilize our services, we say yes, because mm -hmm. the more community mixing that can happen and the more awareness that, you know, folks have of their neighbors and, you know, that we are, we're all the same and they shouldn't be afraid of certain neighborhoods just because, you know, they have some reputation. That just adds to, you know, the wonderful community mix that we all need and can thrive on. So we encourage that um, and absolutely do not income tax test at all. Do you think going forward and, you know, obviously everybody's sort of retooling or recalibrating for the new normal, will there still be a need for smart vending? You know, that's a very good question. It's funny, we were just talking about smart vending today. Um, you know, that is one of our programs that is on a pause. Uh, we have almost none of our programs really took a pause. Even our farm to school program, you know, when schools shut down, we were still delivering uh, farm product to several schools who were using it to uh, bag up lunches and meals for their students. And we're already on um, target to be starting deliveries Labor Day week to schools. So, you know, most of our programs uh, continued on even with challenges um, like closed businesses and, you know, closed schools. But smart vending is one of those challenging ones. And certainly if, you know, businesses are not open, if institutions are not seeing, you know, customers and clients in their, um, you know, work environment, then that program is, you know, not going to be able to uh, continue in the same way. Right. Um, but, you know, we'll find some other way to, you uh, you know, provide those services to people. Yeah, just so in case people weren't aware, I probably should have prefaced that by saying that smart vending, it's, it is exactly what it sounds. It's vending machines um, that provide people with access to healthy snacks at their workplace or the places where they happen to be located, usually workplaces, right? Yeah, and, and community locations. And also the other piece of it is not just the healthy snacks, but information so people can make uh, healthy choices. One of the things I always say about a vending machine is you really don't know what's behind there. You might think you're making a good choice, but you can't look at the nutritional information. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we put, um, you know, uh, stickers on the vending machine to say, you know, this is, this is a good choice, you know, select this, select that, just to give people that awareness um, so that they can make healthier decisions if that's, you know, if they, if they choose, uh, if they're looking for a better choice. Do you see like 
in the future, I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking about ways that people can support you. You have this amazing spring brunch of fundraiser is it's one of the larger fundraisers that you run and I've been to it and it's really amazing but you weren't able to have it this year as a result of COVID is that right? Yeah we actually canceled both of our fundraisers this year our annual spring brunch and our autumn evening in the garden which is a, a chef and farmer uh, extravaganza it's fantastic and we've already canceled our spring brunch for next year um, because it's it's just not the kind of event because um, it's a huge smorgasbord, you right. know, that you could expect people, you know, in light of COVID and, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not being pessimistic to think that uh, in the spring, people aren't going to want to be shoulder to shoulder um, over a buffet. I don't think that's the kind of environment. Unlikely, unlikely. <laughs> unlikely. But I mean, how can people support you? I mean, if they want to, there are still opportunities for them to learn about what you do and to get Absolutely. involved in what you do. So what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, check out our website. We, you know, we really do need the support because we've had to cancel these events. We're, we're losing about $200,000 a year because of these, the event loss. And, you know, unlike other organizations who've gone virtual with their events, we, you know, we're not putting the staff energy into that. We're using our staff for our essential food service work instead and hoping that the community will support us um, regardless. And, and, you know, I'm so grateful that many people in the community have uh, and they see the value in our services. So, you know, one of the ways people can is to become a harvest helper, which is a monthly supporter. You can do it with a, a small amount, you know, $10 a month makes a huge difference. Um, people are volunteering in all sorts of ways. We have a wonderful uh, volunteer coordinator who's plugging people in now at the gardens to help out at our urban farm that where the produce project runs in our food hub at the mobile markets. There's all kinds of ways people can help support on the ground um, and, and certainly the resources that we need to keep these programs going um, are very much needed. Okay, before I let you go, I have a I have a trick question. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Do you have your own garden at home? I do have my own garden at home. You do? When do you have time? Um, yeah, I uh, I go out there. You know, whenever I uh, have a few minutes, um, my my crop of cucumbers has gone berserk this year. So if you want <laughs> cucumbers, come see me. I am like offloading them on everybody which is actually where the idea of squash hunger came from. Instead of chasing <laughs> down your neighbors with your excess crop, you know, donate it and to us and we'll get it out to the folks who need it. So, so if you run into Amy Klein, you should not be surprised if she whips a cucumber out of her bag <laughs> and gives it to you. <laughs> and a cucumber is actually a perfectly socially distanced vegetable because it's sort of got length to it and you have to peel it before you eat it. So it's absolutely safe. You just give it to somebody instead of a handshake and it's perfect. No question. I want to thank you so much. I, I think that uh, I've been a longtime supporter. I, I think this is an amazing organization and I, I want more people to know about it. So Amy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Liz. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com.